What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Boomers Today with your host, Frank Sampson. Well, welcome to Boomers Today. I'm your host, Frank Sampson. And of course, each week we bring you important and very useful information on issues facing baby boomers, their parents, and other loved ones. And I can't thank uh, all of you uh, enough, as I do each and every week, uh, for tuning in and sharing our podcasts and individual shows with uh, friends and family members. And uh, many of you listen to the podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher. We're pretty much on every one of those uh, podcast stations. Some of you go to our website at uh, boomerstodayradio.com. And so I I thank you. And I know why you listen to these podcasts and why you're sharing it, because we have great guests. And um, we're not going to disappoint you today. Uh, We have with us Ryan Frederick, who focuses on the intersection of place and health longevity. He is the author of Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life. He advises real estate, health organizations, and institutional investment firms on how to create better places to help people thrive and provides regular content for consumers to make wise choices about places to live a long, healthy, and financially secure life. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today. I really appreciate it. Excited to be here, Frank. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great stuff. And we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about your book, which I want to learn more about as well. Uh, but maybe, and you know, th- you know, these are about a half hour show. And this one question could probably, I bet you could spend a half hour on, but let's try to keep it a little shorter. But if you could give us kind of a overview on a little bit about maybe the past present and where you see things headed as it relates to senior housing and I guess senior care falls into that as well. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. And it's an interesting, I, I come from this from, from an interesting perspective, Frank, because I've spent about 15 or so years in the senior housing field uh, as an investor, operator, developer on the boards of companies, I advise uh, groups across the country uh, today on, on strategy. So I have a, a firsthand view. I've also I've also lived in a senior living community uh, when I was in my late twenties. So that was a that was an enlightening experience. Um, and my book is an outcome of sharing a lot of those insights for consumers. So I look at this from the industry perspective, but I also look at this from a consumer's perspective. Uh, And I think your question is relevant to both, uh, past, present, future. So I think what's happened, Frank, is that, um, uh, gosh, I could easily take half an hour on this, Um, (laughs) but the uh, truncated version is, uh, we've had this evolution of of senior housing and care, which really, I would say, started in earnest for uh, for the greatest generation, you know, the World War II generation, and and that that psyche and and the way the industry approached it was, we will 
provide services and care, uh, provide a peace of mind for people. Um, but it was really largely one experience. There wasn't a whole lot of customization to it. Uh, it was largely, I would say that the audience uh, was largely Caucasian, married couples, uh, people of faith generally. Um, and that's that's the, the the lineage it's come from. You know, you kind of fast forward to today, and uh, when we look at the 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 the, the leading boomers, kind of in their mid seventies, and the silent generation, who are largely those that are in senior living today, it starts to become a bit more of a a more diverse population. Many more single people, people of different religions, people of different ethnic backgrounds, um, people living a lot longer now, Frank. You know, you've got, uh, of course, concerns around dementia and, and, and ways in which through lifestyle, we can influence some of the probabilities of dementia. Of course, there's a seems to be some uh, announcements just this week around some, some advances perhaps on the ph pharma pharmaceutical side. But it's become much more institutionalized at this point, Frank. You've got large investors uh, here in the U.S. internationally building professionally managed communities. Uh, uh, some have a continuum of care. Some focus on dementia only. Some have more uh, lifestyle uh, focused on independent living. One of the more emerging uh, product types is, is uh, age-restricted Class A apartments where you're seeing those built uh, in larger suburban areas today. There's a lot of number of investors behind that. Um, so you're seeing many more options, I would say, Frank, than, than you saw in the past. More are now owned by institutional investors. I talk about in the book what that means, because in some cases, uh, some of these investors have short-term horizons. And that means there's you see properties change hands and that can change the experience for those that live there. Their home feels different when some of these transactions happen. Management companies, you know, change is part of it too. Um, when I think we, when we look towards the future, uh, I think you're gonna see a lot more options. And I think you're gonna see more options that aren't necessarily age restricted. More, more places where maybe your building is age restricted, but you're, you're, uh, it, it's in a location in which there's just more people of different generations. I think you're gonna see one of the massive changes, I go into this in the book within a couple of chapters, you're seeing this shift that was happening before the pandemic, but it accelerated. And that is the ability to have home care and other health services brought to you, no matter the environment. So one of, one of the, uh, again, not to go into too much detail, but uh, one of the, the product types that's available in senior housing is that continuum of care, whether it's a, continuing care retirement community or a life plan community. This idea that you start off in independent living and then as your needs change and perhaps progress, you've got assisted living and skilled nursing, perhaps dementia care available to you. Well, because of these trends now, you're seeing people even within senior housing not have to necessarily go to higher levels of care because care can come to you. But even more than that, you have situations now where you can be in an apartment, single family home uh, and so on where Care, care and services can come to you and you're seeing that shift with health systems. You're seeing a number of venture capital backed startups that are providing some of that. You see, you're seeing a bigger role of artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, a wearables. I have a aura ring on me right now, which helps you with sleeping this, you know, the, it's interesting with Apple, when we look back at Apple and Steve Jobs, uh, their impact on our lives, which is perhaps more ubiquitous than we would uh, care to acknowledge. Um, it may be that the Apple Watch 
is one of the crowning achievements as this health device to help yeah. us, you know, get, get, get a heads up in terms of uh, perhaps, you know, heart conditions and, and so on. So it's, it is a, um, even a, another example, Frank, on this is I think you're going to see increasing instances of just home sharing where people That's have an a great extra point. Bedroom. I was just, I was just uh, thinking that because, uh, you know, I'm of the age that, you know, people know I'm in the industry and, and, uh, they're like thinking, all right, what, what are we going to do? We're going to be, you know, am I have an up and down house. I don't know if I want to keep that. Should I go get, uh, uh, you know, a one story place or should I, uh, maybe we get together with a bunch of friends and get a place. And if we need caregiving, we bring somebody in to share. Is that, yeah. what, you're, is that what you're referring to? Or? Well, yeah. I mean, people that in some ways, that's an example of, of co-living. My book has a chapter on these new models and emerging ones and what that might mean. Right. Um, but it also might mean you're a solo ager. You don't necessarily have a partner or spouse and you may not have kids in the area. Uh, uh, you might have an extra bedroom or two. And so you could even have roommates come in there where it provides extra income, some social connection. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, different models uh, as, as, this, as this evolves because people are going to have more uh, service delivery with healthcare is changing and then technology will enable things. So I think that that's going to put pressure on uh, you know on, on on senior housing today because there'll just be more options. Now that said, one piece that's really important I, I talk about this in the book as well is that, uh, and we're seeing this real time. Um, those that are in the industry can appreciate this, but even those that are looking at options for themselves or loved ones can see this too. We are in a real labor crisis right now. Yeah, and and it's likely to continue because of. Uh, the the uh, generations having fewer kids because of some of our immigration policy and then people living longer. So you might want to perhaps stay in a single family home, but you may have a hard time just getting uh, reliable and affordable access to, to care. Uh, and so that's another element to be thinking about this, but it's going to, it's going to get, I think, you know, crazy in a good way, Frank, because I think you'll see, um, more options out there. You'll see new housing models emerge as part of it. So people have more options. And then my hope with, uh, uh, with my book and some of the content at Smart Living 360 is to help people just make better decisions around this. And, and, and one thing to, to, to mention before your next question, that is um, you know, about 90% of people, they when, when asked by AARP and some other outlets, when they say, would you prefer to age in place? But 90% of people say that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny when you, that you say that. I, you know, I've seen those studies, ARP and others. And I go, what, what are you spending the money for to even do those studies? What, what do you think people are going to say? Of course, over 90% of the people want to stay at home. Now, the question is, what's aging in place? You know, I, 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 you know to me, you know, the, there's a perception out there that aging in place means your home. But your home may be in a senior living community. That's your home and you could age in place. So there, you know, I, I think there's a little, my opinion, there's a little misconception there. And, you know, I, I think they should stop spending money on these studies because it's, it's a no brainer. Of course, people want to stay home, but what's home? Where are you going to be safest? Well, and I, that's a big question, Frank, because I think uh, when they've done the studies, the ones that I've seen with a they frame it in such a way that it's around your current home. And, and so typically that definition means 
age for most people, aging in place in my single family house in the suburbs. That's typically what they Right. If, if, that, if that's how it's defined. Yeah. And that's typically. Still, if, but if you ask the question, do you want to age in place? Of course you do. If you, if you want to live the rest of your life in your current home, that's a different, you know, that's a, a different question. And I, it's a really important question because I think what happens sometimes is that uh, I have a, a, a chapter specifically devoted to beating up the term aging in place yeah, as well as a strategy because that term, uh, it's aging seems like it's something that's happening to you. Uh, you're not, you don't really have agency in it. It's just happening. And then in place means you're like a statue, which is uh, precisely the opposite of the research around healthy aging and yeah, longevity. It's right. about being active, having purpose, leaving these chapters. So the, there's a whole issue with the, the term itself. But I think as a, as a strategy, uh, one of the issues it often has is that um, uh, it can lead to social isolation. and, and uh, Which is and a big problem today. It's a big, huge problem. And so I talk a bit about, uh, in terms of the framework, when I think about place, or when uh, I see place as literally one of the biggest decisions where you live is being one of the most important decisions of your life at every key stage of your life. And you, you made a point earlier about home. Well, home has a physical element, but also has an emotional and psychological, you know, dimensions as well. It's a deep topic. Did, yeah. did a blog on it just last week on this on, and what that means. And I think, and we're at a spot where the challenge and opportunity that each of us faces, whether regardless of our age, is how do we make sure that we're in the right place for the stage in life that we're in? And, and that might mean your single family house in the suburbs, but it might mean an apartment, might mean senior living. And one of the opportunities for senior living providers is how can they not just create a place, but how can they create home? Yeah. And how can they also identify the people for their communities that would really thrive there? Yeah. Uh, and having lived in a community, as I said, in my, in my 20s, I got to see how it was an amazing spot. I was living in Atlanta at the time, uh, independent living community. I, but I got to see for the people, the residents that were there, many of them, it was awesome. It really was the perfect place for them in that stage of life. So there is, I think, a public perception right now that senior housing, in some cases rightly, but in most cases, I think wrongly, uh, uh, suffers from coming out of the pandemic because I think a lot of people associate any type of senior housing with skilled nursing. Yeah. And, and, and of course, what happened there in the pandemic was so awful a number of instances that none, no one would want to be in some of the environments the way it played out. But there are, I've seen it firsthand how the right, the right fit, right well-managed senior you know, housing community can be, can be an amazing right place for people at a certain Yeah, And I, I think that, you know, it's such a broad area, like you said, I mean, you got that person who's, you know, they're tired of taking care of the house and mowing the lawn and maybe want to be in a senior community that, and they're very independent all the way to people who, you know, maybe have some form of dementia, need to be in memory care or nursing or whatever the case, you know, whatever the case may be. So it's really a broad spectrum. It um, is. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a, a, a quick 30 second break here. All right. Just to recognize our sponsor. When we come back, we certainly want to learn more about uh, you, your book and uh, how people can get it. And then I, I want to address the perception of nursing homes when we come back. So we'll talk about that. All right. So do you, do you know anybody who may be concerned about an older driver? 
while senior care authorities beyond driving with dignity program is a facilitated self-assessment program for older drivers. This program has been designed to serve as a vital tool to facilitate older drivers and their families as they make appropriate decisions regarding the future of one safe driving career. If the individual is a safe driver, an advisor will provide him or her with strategies on how to remain a safe driver as they progress through the aging process. If driving retirement is the appropriate decision, then the individual and their family are offered possible alternatives, resources, and a specific plan to ensure a smooth and successful transition from the driver's seat to the passenger seat. So to learn more, you could go to www.beyonddrivingwithdignity.com or call 877-907-8841 to connect with a senior care authority advisor in your area. We're back with Ryan Frederick, who is the author of Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life. Uh, so Ryan, um, so before we get into some additional questions, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit more about your book, who's your target audience, how can they get it, and anything else you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. You know, I, I am really passionate about the, the fact that where you live has such a key, it's such a key driver for your, your I'm describing as healthy longevity, because it's not just how long you live, it's how healthy are you? And, and do you have the financial resources to support your life at that point? It's really lifespan intersecting with uh, health span and wealth span. And so place where we decide to live is foundational, I believe, for that. So my book, Right Place, Right Time, provides a framework for how to think about this. Um, the Gallup Healthways Index, they, they look at uh, healthy longevity in five different areas. They look at it in terms of purpose. Do you have a purpose that's greater than you that you can point to? They look at in terms of social connection. Do you have a, 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 a network of, of friends and family and so on that, that provides support uh, uh, and encouragement for you? Are you, they look at in terms of physical well-being. You know, are you active in the way you can be? Do you eat a certain way and, 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 and sleep, et cetera? And then financial well-being. You know, are you set up for a life that, you know, increasingly is getting longer and longer? They say that, 50% of kids born today here in the U.S. will live to at least 100. So this idea of a 100-year life is, is no longer a fantasy, it's fantasy land. And then fifth, they talk about place, community. So how I see it is when you, when you choose a particular home, and what I mean by home, it's not just your four walls, it's what neighborhood are you part of? Are you in an urban, rural, suburban setting? What metropolitan area? What region of the country? Um, what state? Even what country for that matter? All of that together that composite is, is a function of your place and, and, and home. And so I, I see is when you're in the right place, it, it nudges you to, to greater purpose. It helps you with social connection, helps you be more physically active and financially. And then the reverse is if you're not, if you're in a place where uh, perhaps you have little in common with the people around you, you're more socially isolated, the physical design of your house doesn't fit your physical needs and emotional needs. Like, then you've got headwinds around this. Uh, and so I believe strongly that if we can be intentional about where we live at each chapter in our life, it can go a long way to making sure that we're th we thrive in each of these different chapters. Um, and so there's a, there's a, a in the book, I have a, an assessment there that allows people to kind of 
measure their current place based on the five metrics I just talked about, based on the strong feedback from the book, I've recently put it on the Smart Living 360 website. So I encourage people, it takes just a couple minutes to go online and real quickly get a sense of, well, am I in the right place today? And, and part of the methodology as you play it out is, well, I may, be, I may not be in the right place, but in some cases I can change my place. I can make some physical modifications. I can be more proactive to invite friends over, get to know neighbors that have moved in. Like it's, there's, there's some malleability of our place. Or in other cases, it may mean that a, a move is necessary. And that move could be within your neighborhood, uh, you know, a version of aging in place like we talked about earlier, Frank. Or it may mean that you need to move to a different area. Maybe you have family elsewhere you want to re reconnect with. And so this topic of going back to your question about target audience, it was written for um, uh, uh, empty nesters, in some cases, pre-empty nesters, uh, re pre-retirees, retirees, out to, to, to put an age uh, spectrum on it, really 50 plus. And it, and, and, it, and it has a dualism because I've found readers that find it valuable for themselves, but also valuable for family members. Um, and, so, and they could go to your website at smartliving360.com to get. Yeah, to go to smartliving360.com, and you'll you'll see uh, uh, links to the book. You'll see that's where the free assessment is there, and there's also additional content uh, with blogs and so on that allow people some 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 of the key ideas for their thinking. That that's the best place to go. Yes. Yeah. So you know you. Talked uh, earlier about um, uh, the greatest generation of the world, you know, and that generation, when they moved out of their home to go into some sort of senior living, it was nursing. It, it was. I mean, you know, I mean, assisted living or licensed assisted living in the United States didn't start till the 90s. All right. So there's still, uh, you know, I think a perception, but I want to get your opinion is you know, people that don't want to move because they feel if they move, they're going into nursing, you know, if they're going to make that move. And as you know, there are so many other options out there. I mean, you go, go into some of these senior living communities and assisted living, you walk in, you go, whoa, I'd live here. This looks pretty nice, you know? So what, what do you think that the, that perception is still there today? Absolutely. And I would come at this at a few different angles, Frank. I would say the first um, issue we have here is around, is around ageism. And, and the reason why that's relevant is because our society generally tells us that, particularly when we mid, hit midlife and beyond, that tomorrow is going to be worse than today. Now, the irony in this, one of the most popular blogs on the Smart Living 360 website is one called uh, it, the, 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 um, the Little Understood um, Happiness Curve. And there's a happiness curve that's been documented now for well over a decade, which shows that there's a certain level of happiness in your 20s. And then it goes through a somewhat uh, 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 precipitous decline. So that in your late 40s and 50s, I like to think it has something to do with, with teenagers in the house, you, you kind of hit this bottom. And then you, then you climb afterwards. Uh, it's actually a global phenomenon, um, but, but certainly true in the US. And so that in your 60s and 70s, particularly your really 70s and beyond, your self-reported well-being, your happiness is higher than it's ever been. 
And there's a bunch of theories behind it. Part of it is you've realized at that point in life what really matters and you're kind of out of the rat race and, and, mm -hmm. and so on. But, but there is, and I'm not trying to be naive about this, there are definitely you know, challenges, complexities as we get older, but there's a narrative here that is a really positive one. And so what ends up happening sometimes because that's not well understood, because in our culture, it's, it's, it's seen as, uh, as being less important as you age, we tend to not put as much uh, 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 thought sometimes around some of these decisions that matter because, oh, I may not be around that long anyway. It doesn't really matter, but it does matter. That's a key thesis that I'm describing. And so when it's happening along the way is you got this ageism and then you see within the housing environment, because I have this negative bias, sometimes my head does go to skilled nursing and skilled nursing um, that in that particular branch of this broader senior housing industry, you know, has changed a lot and it's continuing to change. In fact, as you know, Frank, the number of, uh, skilled nursing beds has been contracting. It's been getting smaller for years. And you're seeing more and more providers now exiting the business coming out of the pandemic because it's so costly to run because of the regulations. Uh, and, you're, and therefore you're finding more non-institutional environments where people can, can provide care. I know of a number of groups, actually some, some clients of mine on the senior housing side where they've exited skilled nursing, but they provide skilled nursing like uh, care, but in assisted living. So- yeah, Well, it's becoming, uh, even from the time I've been in the uh, business, it was quite, it was pretty much black and white, what you could do in skilled nursing and the care, the type of care you could provide in assisted living. And obviously it varies state to state, but because of uh, state regulations, but uh, it, it's, it's more gray. You know, there's so much more that you could do in assisted living that would normally have been done uh, only in a, in a skilled nursing facility. Well, and what's really, ha yes, absolutely. And, and what's happening too, is there's meaningful changes with these health systems now. So there you're finding a number of health systems are using skilled nursing that's close to them as effectively very short, uh, uh, more complicated uh, healthcare procedures. So you've, without going into too much detail, um, the way skilled nursing has evolved, you've had short-term rehab and then long-term care. It started out initially going back to the 60s where it was really just about long-term care. Right. And it has evolved. So now it has these two different pieces, but there's a lot of pressure on that business model today. So you're seeing a number of senior housing providers, as I described, kind of exit senior, exit skilled nursing and provide long-term care capability in non-institutional settings. But the implication, a couple of implications, one implication for consumers is more so than ever, you got to do your homework. Yeah, absolutely. Where where am I on this? And that homework's complicated. And if you're an adult child, it's overwhelming. I know, I'm, being one, uh, and still, in fact, being um, a, a part of the uh, business too. So, so, but you got to get smart, and you got to get smart. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I wrote the book is you got to get smart on the general generalities of this. But then you have to be smart in your low in your locale. What really are the options, you know, here, either where my loved one lives or, or near me, if there's a move involved, uh, if, if you don't live in the same location, but there's another, another implication for people too. those boomers today, people in your sixties and seventies, fifties, uh, even, I highly encourage you to plan, 
what do you want these chapters to look like? Because when it becomes like an urgent matter, your degrees of freedom, your choices available are a lot smaller than if you don't have a broader plan. And then for the professionals in, in industry that are, are listening to this, it has big implications too, because you got to make sure that the company you're part of, if you're a CEO or an executive director, do you have a, what's your vision to thrive as this evolves? Because you're going to get more and more pressure, I believe, on the skilled nursing side. You have la these labor issues are going to be issues for a long term. How can you really create a, a, a compelling value proposition for your existing residents, new residents where people can really yeah. thrive? And one piece we haven't talked about too is it's really expensive. Yeah. So yeah, what right. can you do to find ways to, to make the price point uh, more accessible for more people? And if I could, you know, add one thing, if you agree with me on this, I think you do, don't try to do it alone. You know, there, there's professionals out there, uh, you know, I'm not trying to plug the organization that, that I'm with, but uh, it, there's a lot of different professionals out there that could, that could help you, but don't try to do it alone because, you know, it probably is the first time you're ever going to be dealing with this. So to, to know all the ins and outs and options, uh, it's very difficult. So uh, it, it, but, I, I couldn't agree more, Frank. I mean, this is, uh, when I talk to people about it, uh, I frame it in the terms of what is the cost? Uh, what's the opportunity cost of making the wrong decision? Yeah, no, absolutely right. And it's a significant one. And, and I recognize not everyone has resources to necessarily hire third-party advisors and so on. But I do believe, you know, for those in your audience that have a financial advisor, for example, if you've got uh, some help to, to manage your money for a longer life, just don't only think about your finances. Yeah. Like what, what's, you know, and in fact, one of the things that I envision that's, that's come out of the book, the book came out last year and just the response to the book. I, um, I, I believe that people should have people that have, for example, a, a financial plan for a long life. They should also have a place plan. What's my place plan? How do I make sure that I'm in the right place? What can I do to make sure that I can modify my existing place if necessary? What are my other options? Because you want to really make sure that you're set up for this long-term success. And that means it's very difficult to do it alone. Yeah. Who, who are advisors and, and content you get to, to, to help in that journey? Well, I could talk to you all day about this stuff, but unfortunately, we're going to have to go. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. It's there's a lot, lot, a lot of important stuff in this topic, Frank. Yeah, and thank you everybody for joining us. Check out his website, SmartLiving360.com. Be safe. Talk to everybody real soon. You've been listening to Boomers Today with Frank Sampson. To learn more about today's show, visit BoomersTodayRadio.com and join us next time for another edition of Boomers Today. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.